The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Well, hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Radio's finest program of positive book talk, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. I love it, Heather, that they call you my sidekick. Actually, it's the other way around. I think that, you know, <laughs> Heather is the big star here. I get to be the sidekick most of the time. She's got the information. But we love being your personal growth success coaches on the airwaves, and we bring you authors, experts, professionals, that will help you live a better and more fun life because we're a show about following your heart and living your dreams, and we call it Champagne for the Spirit. Well, in today's show, we are going to Europe. In segment one, which is our tea for two, a mother-daughter brew, Heather and I are going to discuss the issue of prostitution. It's legal in Amsterdam, been that since the early 1800s. And we're going to talk all about that, the health concerns and the legalities, the tax issues. And then we are going to be delighted with an expert on Monet and the gardens at Giverny when Alphian Cardillier joins us live from Giverny in France. And we'll wrap up with more French kisses and more French culture in segment three. The Miracle Moment to You is brought by Star Style Productions and the new movie Tapping the Source, uh, having its premiere tomorrow. For lifestyle coaching to help you succeed in your life, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-7827 for a personalized coaching and consultation. Don't be afraid to go where you've never gone or do what you've never done because both are absolutely necessary to have what you've never had and be who you've never been. And that's something that I like to say. So Cynthia mm-hmm. Bryan is that. <laughs> well, being a harbor city, Amsterdam has had a long tradition of a strong presence of prostitution. Now, right after high school, I actually lived in Holland for 18 months. And I'll never forget the first time I walked down the red light district. It was it was um, shocking and interesting, and 
it was very uh, memorable for me. There, <laughs> there was a classic song that was written by the French-Belgium Jacques Brel that was called Amsterdam that describes what a night in the red light district is like and how sailors used to be the main clients, but that's not the way it is anymore. The red light district is now a major tourist attraction in Amsterdam, and it really does have working girls. And we're going to... I'm going to tell you about the the tour and what I learned there, and then we're going to hear about prostitution and what we can do to help the girls on the street and to keep it safe and healthy from our health expert, Heather. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, prostitution, Heather. It has been uh, legal in the Netherlands since 1830, and the girls pay, uh, pay taxes and... The authorities treat uh, prostitutes as independent uh, entrepreneurs, um, Mm -hmm. and they have a health care system and a support services. So, and it seems to have kept crime down. Exactly. I mean, there's all. It's quite a controversial topic here, especially. And in some things, I'm going to point out there's definitely a lot of negativity with it, and as well as playing devil's advocate for it. Recently here in California, there's been, well, for many years, trying to legalize marijuana. And people's um, thoughts on it is that, you know, if we are able to um, tax, governize, legalize, when there's stuff that's being taxed on it, the government's controlling it, that there'd be safer means for it, and as well as that it would create revenue. And that's a big thing as well as that um, in Amsterdam, as you're saying, is that instead of making it a crime, it's actually something that's taxed. People have to register. Um, and as well as the huge thing, especially with me coming from a um, health aspect, is the the potential of sexually transmitted infections. Well, and, you know, one of the things that is there, I mean, it's a, it's, the authorities really work hard in Amsterdam to regulate uh, prostitution, and they're very concerned about protecting minors because, as we know, we've done several shows about it, there's a huge problem around the world today with human trafficking, both men and women, mostly young kids, for sexual uh, favors. And in Amsterdam, any sex business has to have a license, and they have to be certified and they have to fulfill legal requirements, and condoms are a must. And see, with that is that, you know, regarding illegal here, the stuff is over there, that would be something that would be considered a crime. That could, if they weren't, um, if they didn't have their proper licensing, if they weren't registered, if they weren't paying the taxes on it, if they weren't insisting, if they weren't doing their regular testing as well as, um, I, I think they have a lot there that they have to use condoms. That could be something that they could be arrested for by not fulfilling these things, by, by creating these standards that people have to live up to, that they have to in order to operate their business. It's making, you know, it's not only making it a safer practice, um, but again, it's just revenue, um, and it's making it safer that these women are protected. These women, um, you know, here in America with sex trafficking, with children being, you know, sold into it, women, people being forced into it um, for various ways, and, you know, abuse. And there's, there's also this sense here in America um, that for whatever reason, um, a prostitute, uh, whether she was forced into this, this is something by choice, something she's want. That for some reason, they're less of a person. That there's actual crimes that people receive less penalties for the murder of prostitutions, and there's this kind of 
stigma that, well, this person must have been asking for it or, you know, she's gotten herself into this or someone is choosing to do this. Well, you know what's very interesting about the Dutch uh, system is they don't see it as a moral issue. They look at it as a sex worker, that it is actually a profession. And what I found very interesting this time uh, when I walked through the red light district is uh, how they had security cameras. There they were police cameras that were everywhere on all the streets. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, I would love to be a landlord in one of these buildings. The, the women rent a window, not a building, uh-huh. not a room, just a window that has a bed behind it. <laughs> Um, for a certain amount of euros every day for eight hours, so it changes three times in a 24-hour period, and it's quite expensive. It's about 170 to 200 euros from what we were told um, to rent that space, and they stand in their window, and then they, when the guys stop by and they negotiate what they're going to, you know, going to do, the minimum is 15 minutes for 50 euro, which is in today's dollar about. Seventy-five dollars for fifteen for fifteen minutes. But what was very interesting is these cameras that are on the street, and all of the girls have panic buttons. And mm-hmm. evidently, the, the police are very responsive because this is a very big business, and um, they have there have been many crimes that have been aborted this year because of these panic buttons and the police that are actually patrolling to protect the girls. So I found that very interesting. I think and, that's I think that's phenomenal. I saw even a statistic that was saying that if it was legalized here, that rape crimes it would go down by twenty five percent. Well, and, I you mean, know, I think that's true because what was very interesting was uh, I went through on a walking tour, which was fantastic and it was very historical, but it had different areas. So you started off, and there were they were the women that were from Africa and South America. And then as you walked on, you would have the women that were the Eastern Bloc. And those were the younger girls. I must say I was a little nervous. Were these, was this anything, were any of these human traffic girls? I don't know. They all were absolutely beautiful. There was a transsexual area. And the funniest part is there is an area that are women that are 65 to 85. In fact, the oldest prostitute retired last month at 86. <laughs> and many of these women are married with families, and this is their day job or their night job, I guess I should say. Oh, so yeah. it's it's very interesting. And you know, the thing I've always thought regarding this stuff is that why here in America there is so much of a moral issue. And what's amazing to me is, in my personal opinion, I feel that the pornography industry in essence, is legalized prostitution. Because it is, they're exactly. Because they to watch these it. people have sex, and they have, and it is regulated that these people have to subdue to testing every certain month, you know, that they have to show proof of this. There's been a big surge, um, you know, ever since, uh, you know, AIDS first became kind of coming out in the 80s of, you know, asking them to um, have condom use. And just recently, um, a couple months ago, uh, an actor in the um, pornography community tested positive for HIV, and it shut down the industry um, for a certain amount of time. There's now, you know, new legislation being talked of. Has it gone from just 
we requesting that they use condoms to it's going to well, be a requirement. Well, I want to ask you this question as a health professional, Heather, because mm-hmm. this was the one question that didn't get answered while I was um, touring, walking the streets there in Amsterdam, investigating, and that was they do they are encouraged to have medical checkups. It is required that they use condoms, whether the um, the John, whether their client wants it or not. They mm-hmm. must use they must use condoms. However, they're not required to have these health checkups. It's recommended. So uh, even if they use condoms, there's many other uh, diseases and um, and other things that can happen to you that you know in an eight hour period uh, and then over several days or months if you're not getting the checkup. Well, how the, dangerous is it? The biggest thing to well, one thing I I would see is that these women. Um, this is their livelihood, and I feel that if they want to kind of, if you're in a market, a competitive market, what's going, you know, they need their health, you know, that kind of thing. They, they need the, um, someone's not going to go to them if they're having some crazy outbreak. So I would see that if women, if it's something that they're paying taxes on, that they're, um, you know, being protected, that they've got insurance, that they have to file, I could see that when it's a legitimate business that they are wanting to do their best to make sure they, you know, that people are choosing them over someone else, that they're wanting to follow the health rules for it. Um, with things being said, con- you know, abstinence, of course, is the only 100% way of protecting yourself from anything. Which is not going to work in the process of deception. Um, in the forms of contraception, condoms are the only form of contraception uh, that can prevent against sexually transmitted infections. Every other contraception is purely uh, based pregnancy-wise. Condoms are the only form, and it's not 100%, and even things happen, but um, that is your best safeguard if you are having sex, if you are having multiple partners. Um, and, you know, it's one thing, too, that these people visiting it, um, you know, everyone has their own preferences with things, but to think that everyone, um, you know, everyone, all the women that have, all the men who have visited this woman prior in the day or to the week to the year in this lifetime, and they would be sleeping with that person as well. And my big thing of why, even if they, you know, why I never could see it being successful um, here in America, and not to say I would want that, but there's many things of America's ruled by this moral stance. And as we see in other countries, things have been successful that aren't over here. In other countries, how they have legalized prostitution. And, and just Amsterdam in general, how marijuana, that people can smoke these in these cafes. That yes, in the coffee house. Very, very low. But with, this, with these regulations, with this acceptance of them, over there they have, you know, again, lower rates of um, of the S- of STIs, of STDs, uh, lower rates of drunk driving, of drug abuse, because things are not viewed as this, oh, my gosh, I cannot have this. It's a, this forbidden fruit. That's why here in America we have such limits, you know, with these, you have to be a certain age, you have to be this, you have to be that. And it actually propels that kind of thing where you want what you can't have. You want well, kids we, are getting involved. We, again, are out of time, Heather, so... What I would suggest is that we as Americans need to not be so puritanical. Perhaps the pilgrims were not completely correct, and we should at least revisit some of our thoughts and be a little bit more open-minded. Give out the website so that people can get more information. Definitely. We want you to go to be the star you are dot com, be the star you are dot org. 
CarmenyClutches.com, both with a K, and MySpace.com forward slash CarmenyClutches, both with a K. And when we return, we will be live from Vernon, France, with Gervirny Garden Guide, photographer and blogger extraordinaire, Ariane Cordelier, who will enchant us with her tales of contemplation, photography, and delight in Monet's garden. Don't go away. I'll be in tow. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be the Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. BeTheStarYouAre.org Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Be the star you are. You are the star. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Look for the well, thank you all for staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan, and one of the highlights of my recent visit to Europe was a stay at the beautiful and historic Hermitage in Vernon, France, and it was renovated by two devotees of Monet and his lovely gardens at Giverny, Alain and Ariane Caudillier. Now, Alain manages several websites about the area, while Ariane is a bilingual interpreter, a guide, a photographer, a blogger, and she has a deep reverence and love for everything related to Monet's life and his well-planned painted garden. She provided most of the photographs from a book I purchased at the Giverny store, which uh, she even has the cover shot for the book. And the name of that book is Claude Monet at Giverny, A Tour and History of the House and Garden. And Ariane is with us today. Welcome and bienvenue, Ariane, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Hello, Cynthia. That's great to be on the airways. Imagine uh, California. Uh, here in France, it's dark now and cold, and you must have a, a bright sunshine, I imagine. I'm very happy to be with you to speak about Claude Monet and his garden, this place I love. And this is only because he's so loved in the States, too, and he's a, a, a worldwide star, isn't he? 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I, it is sunny here in California, and I know you've got a nice log fire burning there at La Hermitage. I want to talk about, first of all, let's start with the book. You are a guide at Giverny, but you're also a photographer, and you have taken more than 40,000 photographs of his beautiful garden, and you even have the cover of the book, Claude Monet at Giverny, and the sales of that book benefit the foundation Claude Monet. Tell us a little bit how you got involved with working at Giverny and, and your love of the gardens. Oh, uh, I was a journalist before. Uh, I broadcasted the news on the local radio for 10 years, and uh, gradually I felt uh, uneasy with my job and tired of it, because when you're a journalist, you have to speak about all what's wrong in the world, all the strikes and criminality. And, uh, I, well, I wanted to change, and I... Uh, I had the idea then uh, of becoming a god at Monis Gardens. Uh, that's next door. I live two miles away from Monis Gardens. And then I, I sat an exam about the uh, heritage of Normandy, my region, and also about English. And uh, I started working, and I didn't really know the job. And I had to learn it uh, from scratch. Uh, uh, by practicing and uh, well it's great because uh, I meet people that are happy to be there for many of them it is at the dream of their lifetime to be there and uh, everybody loves gardens so it's very easy to make them love this garden my job is uh, giving sense uh, to, to what they can see with their eyes, uh, so that giving meanings, uh, insights, uh, and uh, explaining uh, how clever this garden is, because it was uh, created by Monet, and Monet was not only the great painter everybody knows, but also at the same time a king gardener, and so he used what he knew about painting, all his knowledge and command of colors, of uh, composition, of lines, of perspective, uh, to compose, to create uh, his gardens, his flower beds, and that's very exciting to explain. You know, uh, Rien, you one of the things that you told me is that when you are on the radio, you can't be boring, and when you are a guide, you can't be boring because people have questions and they want to be excited about what they're seeing. So you have so many different stories about Monet and the way he painted his garden and planted his garden. And I think one thing that our audience would love to hear is he actually had the river uh, rerouted so that he could have his lily pond. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yes, he diverted the river a little bit because it used to flow straight uh, along the road and he needed space to to dig out his pond. But the, the, the anecdote people love most is the story of his gardener washing the water lilies every morning because uh, Monet was such a perfectionist and the, the road was dusty, it was out of dirt, and so this dirt fell upon the leaves of the water lilies and Monet wanted to paint the nymphs, so he uh, 
uh, had his gun uh, getting up very early in the morning at five o'clock. And the gardener took the boat and uh, toured the pond with the boat and pushed the flowers, um, the, the leaves, under the surface to, to rinse them so that Monet could paint them uh, clean uh, a few minutes later. Monet would start at, at 6 o'clock. He was an early bird. You know, I find that, I find that just so funny that he, had the, that he was able to do that. But also, it's because he was such an artist. Now, you have been taking photographs for so many years, and one of your delights is that you actually see it in the same light that Monet saw it in all these years ago. And you, too, feel this, this, um, this dream of taking more photos and more photos. What's it like? You said that you, if you don't go to the garden every day, you miss it. Yes, yeah, so that's true, and uh, that's exactly what what you stress. Uh, uh, the setting hasn't changed at all. It is exactly the same by now. Uh, the the sand valley is the same. The weather is the same. The light is the same, and uh, you're really in his footsteps. Uh, everywhere you look at, you you see Monet's paintings in the in in the nature, especially in his garden, of course. And so when you start taking pictures. Uh, in his garden, it is addictive. You cannot stop it because it is ever-changing and the reflections on the pond are fascinating. And so you want to take more and more and uh, it leads uh, very naturally to the process of series that, that Monet invented. And I, ha- I want to just say what a great photographer you are. In the book, Claude Monet at Giverny, A Tour in History of the House and Garden, the majority of the photos, there are about 65 or something, are all from Erien. And they are the most beautiful, beautiful pictures. And they they look like paintings themselves, Erien, the photos that you take. They look just like paintings. Well, they are very inspiring for painters, too. Many come to paint still, yes. Yeah, you know, while I was there, there were people, especially I think they were from Japan, there were many Asian people sitting in Monet's garden, and they were painting. So are there? do you find when you have visitors that they come from around the world to sit and paint? Many, yes. Uh, I wish I could paint, of course. But yes, you're, you're true. Many visitors come from Japan because he's, uh, uh, he was famous in Japan in his lifetime already, and he's still his. And uh, so this is why the book is translated into Japan and also um, French, English, and German. Well, and also something that I really appreciate what you do, and I think will be of great interest to anyone who loves Monet and his gardens is you write to you write blogs and you have a blog in English and you have a blog in French and you also post your beautiful pictures there tell us about what you write about Oh, I write about the, the gardens, uh, about the pictures, and also a little bit about the area, and also about my job. But uh, the, the English blog is uh, centered on the pictures because it's hard for me to write in English. And I started with a French blog because I missed writing after I left being a, a journalist. So this was a way uh, to continue writing, and uh, that, that's re- I love it. So I've been writing this blog for four years. 
is now. And uh, there are many pictures about the changing garden because, you, well, it changes a lot through the season. And, and that's also exciting to see it changing every day. Uh, I wear that every day. And every day I can notice uh, uh, differences in the, the bloomings and, uh, well, the uh, new flowers come and fade. And uh, so they, they're also bigger and bigger through the season that are very low in spring times and uh, the, the late summer flowers are huge, uh, giant flowers, so it, it's ever-changing. So it, it's a very you... special place where to work because uh, uh, imagine your, your office changing every day, so you, you never know what you will find when you come back. You know, it must be so exciting. I know that when you take people on guided tours, People say to you, oh, what a fabulous job you have. Oh, and yes, I it is very uh, often. A wonderful job, job to be out true. in nature and in all of this beauty every day. It, but what is it that you think, why is Monet so famous? Why are his gardens so famous? What sets them apart? Oh, uh, the, they are really special because uh, it's a unique place because uh, they were created by a painter. And uh, so there are many beautiful gardens around the world, but Monet is a painter. And uh, so he has a special use of flowers like paint. Each petal is a brush stroke for him, you see. And so it is a masterpiece in itself. Uh, you walk around in a living masterpiece, changing through the season. And this is really a very strange uh, uh, feeling. And in addition, it is uh, uh, the motive for so many paintings. He painted it over 300 times. Uh, and it is um, a, a place of memory because he spent half of his life here, exactly 43 years, a very long time. And the house, uh, because you visit his home, to the house is full of his memories. So, uh, this, all this makes, makes it unique. Do you know the house, when you go through the house, it is so lively. It's so full of color. It, it, it feels animated, and um, it has been maintained as if he still lives there. Yes, he could come back because absolutely nothing has changed. It is exactly uh, as, as he left it. Uh, because after he died, uh, uh, nobody else uh, lived here for, for many years. And, and so uh, it could be restored exactly uh, the, the same, and it is very authentic. Uh, so you're, you, you've got the feeling his uh, family just left. One of the things that I find interesting or perhaps different about Monet is he's one of the very few painters that in his lifetime he became recognized and he actually became fairly wealthy. Tell yes, us a little bit yes. about how that came about. I know some of his early buyers were from America. Yes, uh, thank, uh, thank goodness he had buyers in America because uh, before it was a struggle for him. Uh, there were very few uh, collectors who liked the, the Impressionists in France, and uh, so uh, they, uh, 
all of a sudden, uh, their art dealer, uh, Paul Durand-Ruel, had the great idea of organizing exhibitions in the States, uh, in New York especially. And, well, at the beginning, Monet was absolutely against what he considered a stupid idea because he believed that good taste was only in Paris, and this is typical French. But, uh, of course, he was wrong because uh, uh, New Yorkers proved uh, more open-minded and they immediately loved his very uh, modern form of art. It was avant-garde at his times. And, and so they both, uh, when it was affordable, this is what has so many uh, monists uh, hanging uh, everywhere in the States, in the museums, in galleries. Uh, uh, so thanks to these American buyers, Monet was uh, more comfortable. And he became really rich uh, when he was 50. Uh, he became successful in Europe, too, thanks to the Green Stack series. So he had to wait until he was 50. And then, because he had such a long life, he died age 86, he had 36 years uh, to enjoy being rich. And this gave him the opportunity of creating with the money, creating the gardens, of course. And that is what is so beautiful. Now, he would take, there was a train that came to Villeneuve from Paris. So he would go back to Paris, to the Salon, to meet with other artists or buyers from time to time. And then he had many visitors uh, that came out, many other painters and, and writers that were famous in those days. Yes, he met with his friends uh, either in Paris or they, they came to Giverny, and uh, many took the train, yes. Uh, it was a very modern uh, mean of uh, transportation. So he met with Renoir, with Pissarro, with Sisley, uh, his uh, best friends, and he was also friends with uh, uh, Clemenceau, the prime minister, and uh, writers like uh, Malamé or uh, Mirbeau, where he's a very best friend. So he, he, he had a very busy social life. Uh, Giverny is a remote place. It is one hour away uh, from Paris. Uh, uh, but uh, they all love to come uh, to visit him because uh, uh, they first toured the gardens with him. So that was a treat. And then they saw the beautiful paintings. And then they had a very good lunch because he was a gourmet. And so it was really a nice day to come to visit Monet It was the perfect excursion to the country. It was good food, good wine, good paintings, good gardens, rest, and friendship. So it was, it was a lovely time to come, and that's the way it still is there. I want to give out uh, the different websites for you, Ariane, um, and for your blog, because people can go there and find out about Monet and the gardens. We have a big love affair here in America with the Impressionists. In fact, right now in San Francisco, we are hosting at the de Young Museum, the Musée d'Orsay, while it's being renovated, all the, the Impressionist paintings are here in California. So it's very great so that we can see some Monet right here. But the, the blog in, in English is giverny-impression.com, G-I-V-E-R-N-Y-impression.com. But in French, it's givernews.com. And uh, there are also, for guided tours, you can go to giverny.org 
forward slash guide forward slash Arian, and you spell Arian's name A-R-I-A-N-E. And, of course, any information on Giverny is at giverny.org. And, uh, Arian, the money when people pay to go to Giverny, it, it helps the uh, foundation, Monet, uh, Claude Monet, right, to keep the gardens and the house going. Yes, it is self-sustained now thanks to the visitors. There are half a million visitors coming every year. So it, it's open only from April 1st through November 1st. It is closed uh, right now uh, for five months during the winter. But uh, when it's open, it's open seven days a week. And uh, so thanks to the admissions and uh, the gift shop now, Monet's Foundation is self-sustained. But it was restored thanks to American donations. See, the Americans are here again. And Arian, how, if someone wants a private guided tour, what's the best way they should reach you? Do, uh, should they go to your blog? Oh, no, to, to the web page or uh, to the blog. There are links to the web page, uh, and they can send me an email and we'll make an appointment to visit the garden. Excellent. And then I just want to give a little plug for La Hermitage, which is a beautiful, beautiful restored Normandy home from uh, a very old home that Ariane and Alain have restored, and they are the most welcoming and fantastic host. It was such a pleasure to stay with you. And Ariane, give my best to Alain, and thank you so much for the beautiful photographs that you gave to me and for autographing my book, Claude Monet at Giovanni. Thank you so much for you uh, visiting us here at L'Amitage. I will transmit to Alan. He's listening to you right now on the radio. And uh, we are so happy to see you. And I, I love your book, too. It's very motivating. Be the star you are 14. So I'm not right a teen anymore, but it is also good for adults. We are always teens at heart. Well, thank you so much. This was Ariane Cabillet. She's in France, in Velno, France. Please visit her website. Go to her blog in English, giverny-impression.com, and you can uh, make an appointment for a private guided tour. And, of course, she'll be there during the winter because she can't stay away for many days. Ariane, au revoir, à bientôt, à la prochaine fois. Au revoir. À la prochaine fois. Au revoir. Merci bye bye. beaucoup. And for all of you, don't you dare go away because we have more French to come when I return. We are going to continue our French connections right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Stay with me. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. 
Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org Be the lucky star the world talk radio variety channel where the world comes to listen and talk the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, every week, Be the Star You Are does showcase incredible authors and experts who enhance and inspire your life. I'm Cynthia Bryan. I'm part of the dynamic duo. And Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 charity which is dedicated to empowering families, women, and youth through improved literacy and positive message programming like this radio show and some of the television shows that we do. And as you heard Ariane saying that when she was in radio, she got so tired of all the negativity. And that's why this radio show was established back in 1998 because we wanted to bring you something that was uplifting, bring you the pioneers on the planet, bring you people that were following their hearts and doing what they love because it was their passion. So we want you to live your dreams. We want you to be the stars you were born to be. And we want you to live, love, laugh, and make a difference in the world. Uh, To that end, I just want to announce a couple of really fun things before I go on and talk about some more French connection and French kisses, as I like to say. And that is, uh, tomorrow I am participating in something very, very fun. And for those of you who may live in the Los Angeles area, you are invited. It is the world premiere movie, the new film, Tapping the Source. And I actually am one of the featured 
quote-unquote celebrities, and I'll be walking the red carpet. It begins at 6.30 with the movie to follow. Again, the name of the movie is Tapping the Source, and it is going to be held in Los Angeles. If you go to the website, starstyleradio.com, we have the address there for you, and you can get tickets uh, if you would like to attend by going to agapilive.com, or you can call 310-348-1250. Again, it's in the Los Angeles area. Just let me tell you a few of the people that are in the film and who you will see on the red carpet walking with me. Of course, the film stars Bill Gladstone, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Michael Bernard Beckwith, Danian Brinkley, Monique Coleman, Kathy Lee Crosby, Barbara DeAngelis, Neil Donald Walsh, Marielle Hemingway, Jean Houston, Barbara Max Hubbard, and there are several more people. And, of course, Cynthia Bryan. So I am very, very excited about this. So the premiere is tomorrow night. Again, for tickets, if you'd like to go, 310-348-1250. And there will be more information at starstyleradio.com. And uh, we hope to see you there. Come up and say hello to me if you do come. And this is a movie, if you saw The Secret, you're going to love this movie even more. It is a movie about creating your own abundance and prosperity and living a life you love, which everybody who listens to my show has been listening to it for all these years knows that I am living my dreams. The second announcement is the 7th Annual National Essay Contest is in full swing, and it's totally in sync with the message of the movie Tapping the Source. It is sponsored by U.S. Bank. You can win dollars. You can win a guest spot on the radio show books, and many more things, go to the charity's website, bethestarur.org, for guidelines. You can enter today. The topic is how we experience more abundance and happiness in service to others. You only have to write 300 words. It's really, really easy. Bethestarur.org. Well, back to some experiences from France. After my sophomore year at UCLA, I was selected to spend my junior year in France on the Education Abroad Program. I started off with a short course in Paris, then a few months in Po, which is in the Pyrenees, and finally a full year in the wine country of Bordeaux at the Université de Bordeaux. And that's where I learned to absolutely love everything French, the language, the people, the food, the culture, the history, the architecture, the art, the poetry, everything. And I've returned a few times since then to do some television shows. I shot the World Travel Magazine in France and and did some other things. But just recently, I went on a writing expedition, of which you'll be reading many of the articles and hearing many of the tales right here on the air. But this time, I actually got to drink wine, visit lovely gardens, and experience some of the history of the chateau. The funny thing was that when I first arrived in France and rented a car after I signed the rental agreement, the attendant said to me, well, bon chance in finding essence. What that basically means is good luck in finding gas. It turns out that France was experiencing another one of its strikes, and there was no gas at gas stations in any of the towns. The good news is the rental car was a diesel, so it got fairly decent gas mileage and was was able to find 
some stations opened on the freeway, but having to learn how to use that whole system was a little bit different than what I was was used to. But as uh, we were talking about with Ariane, one of the highlights for me was staying at Le Hermitage, which is just a wonderful bed and breakfast that Alain runs, Alain and Ariane both run, in Vernon, and it's the last house on the street on the way to Giverny. And I really want to recommend uh, this place to you, as well as you can go to any of the websites there on Giverny, where Alain um, runs a lot of websites, and there's many different places. But if you're going to go to France, you want to go and see Monet's Gardens. It was just unbelievable. I took so many photographs, which will be in in my newspaper column and in my gardening columns for the different magazines, etc., that uh, half of my pictures of France are probably of the gardens. It's magical, and you can get a private tour with Ariane and make sure to go to her website to book that because you won't be disappointed when you do that. Go to giverny-impression.com and information on Javerni, go to javerni.org, and you can find out that all the different places uh, to stay as well, which is very important. But after Javerni, we drove up to, uh, we started to look at chateaus. And the first chateau that wasn't very far away that was actually in uh, Normandy was a Chateau Gaillard, which used to be the stronghold of Richard the Lionheart. And it's interesting because there's the new movie out of Robin Hood. And um, when you see the movie and then you look at the chateaus, you get a real feeling of what it was like to be back there in the 11th century. And they built these fortresses so strong, but they had to be very chilly, I would say, inside. And he, I'm not so sure if uh, Richard the Lionheart was actually a good friend of Robin Hood. But in, but in any case, the historically true is the way that the thousands of laborers, 6,000 of, of them, had to work to achieve the feat of building this particular chateau. It was constructed, it began in 1197, and then it was completed in 1198, and Richard spent a great deal of money on it because it was his... He called it his one-year-old daughter, and a gaillard actually means a fortified castle. And he did this to impress King Philip Augustus of France, and he, that was the lands that were expanded, you know, near Gaillon, and uh, he was just hoping that the Chateau Gaillard would be the stronghold to prevent the king from inv- invading Normandy, because in those days Normandy was part of England. So when you go to visit these chateaus, you really get a feeling for what life had to be like back then. As we drove south, we wanted to go to the Loire Valley, and the chateaus in the Loire are absolutely extraordinary. There's obviously a couple of them that stand out, but one of the things that we did is we stayed for a full week in a chateau called Chateau de la Nuit, which was a chateau from the 15th century, and it has been maintained by the same family as since 1830. The family was a friend of Napoleon III. And it, you can stay in an entire apartment, 
and that for me that was great. I needed a home base so that every day I could come home and uh, kind of get my wits about me, have a have a um you know, be able to ha- make my tea and and my coffee and and even have a laundry room and have a forest to walk in. So when you go to France and if you can spend enough time, you could stay in any of these places. You can stay in abbeys, you can stay in chateaus, you can stay in manor houses, and usually it is much less expensive than staying in a hotel. And, of course, France is on the euro, which for we Americans right now is very expensive to be on the euro because the euro is, uh, well, by the time I left, it was about a dollar. Forty. I mean, uh, yeah, dollar forty-eight would buy one euro. So it's about time and a half. But a few of the chateaus, of course, everyone has probably heard of Chambord because of the of the alcoholic beverage. It's called Chambord, and it, that's a beautiful Renaissance castle from the outside. But inside is very interesting. It has uh, four hundred fireplaces and three hundred and sixty. Rooms, and you could see why they needed the fireplaces because it's so chilly there. Interesting. All I could think about while I was there was who were the people that kept those fireplaces going. I know that here at my house, I have a fire roaring all the time. I love fires. When I was at Giverny, Alani helped us make our fire so it would keep us warm at night. We, I just love it. But I can't imagine providing enough wood and and hauling this firewood up these four stories of the chateau uh, in these big stairwells. The most beautiful chateau for me was Chenonceau, which had a very womanly touch to it. All the rooms are decorated. There's a lots of interesting lore there. This was Henry I, who was actually married to, I mean, excuse me, Henry II, who was married to Catherine de' Medici, but his mistress was Diane de Portier, and he had his emblem with a D and a C with the H. So he had actually given the chateau to his mistress, and upon his death, his queen took it back. And they both had beautiful, beautiful gardens there. Throughout the Loire, there are wineries, and where we were staying was very near Vouvray. Vouvray, which we do get the beautiful whites here in California, you can find them, is just a fabulous, fabulous white wine region, and Chenon is another one. And what I found very interesting that I didn't know because we didn't have that here is we, when we have a sparkling wine, we can't call it champagne, of course, because it doesn't come from the champagne region. We call it a sparkling wine, although most people say, let's pop the bubbly, let's open the champagne. In Vouvray, when they have a special occasion, and they want to have something special, they say open the Vouvray because they make it the same way as they do in Champagne. It is the old method, the traditional method, and Vouvray is an appellation, just like here in Napa Valley. We have the appellation of Napa Valley. We have Sonoma County appellation. Uh, we have Mendocino County appellation. And, of course, there's a lot of different grapes throughout. France is the same way. It has many different wine regions, and each one specializes because the terroir is different. And having grown up in Napa Valley, I do know quite a bit about wine, and I was really very much impressed with the way they make their wine, the vineyards, and their calves that they have, the caves, which are their wine regions. 
I would recommend that you will visit sometime, and I will continue my tales of my French connection in future shows and, of course, um, in the different articles I write. So you can visit StarStyleRadio.com or you can visit star-style.com if you want more about my uh, website. Well, I want to thank you all for being great listeners, for taking this journey to Europe with me today to make a donation to Be The Star You Are, charity that empowers women, families, and youth. Go to bethestarur.org. You can buy our books there, Be The Star You Are, Be The Star You Are for Teens, Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul, Business of Show Business, and Miracle Moments. May you be content knowing that you can dance and sing and allow your soul the freedom to bask in the sun. As you go out into the day-to-day, remember that no one has ever walked this earth with your exact combination of inborn and acquired strengths, weaknesses, and skills. You are already a star. Take a look in the mirror and admire yourself. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And read a book this week. A book is like a garden in your pocket, and we know that gardens are fabulous and books are fabulous. Pick up a copy when you go to France of Erion's book, which is the book of Giverny, Claude Monet at Giverny. And until we celebrate next week, I am Cynthia Bryan, and you've been listening to Star Style. I thank you for joining me, and I encourage you, be the star you are. Thank you for being part of our star galaxy on today's episode of Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We hope you've enjoyed the commentary and are motivated to dream big, overcome obstacles, and realize your potential. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. Join our power party next week right here on World Talk Radio as Cynthia Bryan, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers of the planet pump up the energy with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until then... Be the star you are. You are the star. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.